Welcome to the Focus Today podcast with Perry Atkinson. Well, welcome to Focus Today. I'm your host, Perry Atkinson, and delighted to have with us today Jared Knott, who is uh, well, the author of a fascinating read, Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters. 39 uh, Tiny Mistakes That uh, Changed the World Forever. Uh, he is also a decorated combat infantry officer in Vietnam and uh, the 1st uh, Air Cavalry Division as well. By the way, there, there's a picture of the book on the screen there, and his website is tinyblundersbigdisasters.com. Jared, good to see you, friend. How are you? Good to be here. It's an honor to be invited. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for your service. So why'd you write this? What, what were you trying to communicate to us here? Yes, it's funny. It comes from an inspiration from uh, Benjamin Franklin, the old adage that uh, for one of the nail, the shoe was lost. For one of the shoe, the rider was lost. For one of the rider, the battle was lost. For one of the battle, the empire was lost. The empire was lost all for the one of a nail. Okay, it's a nice old saying, but how often does that really happen? that a single tiny mistake caused an entire empire to collapse. You'll be amazed how often it happens over and over again that one little tiny mistake, it's the butterfly effect uh, applied to human history, how often one little tiny mistake, dominoes and dominoes and dominoes, and in the end you have this huge, huge disaster that would not have taken place except for the tiny blunder. So we've heard the term butterfly effect. Explain it. Yes, it was actually a mathematician. His name was Howard Lorenz. He was a leading mathematician of his day back in the 1950s and 60s. They do not give a Nobel Prize for mathematics, but he won the equivalent of it and was highly regarded. And he was working with this number that was being used to project the weather. And it was a number with a decimal and 18 small numbers behind it. And it was taking so long for the computers of the day to run that number, let me just whack off about six of them. Instead of 18, we'll just go with the 12, and that'll be good enough. Uh, so anyway, he did that, and he was absolutely amazed at the difference it made in the outcome, all, all 18 numbers versus a reduced number. And he said, he made a presentation to a group of mathematicians, and he said, that means that a butterfly flapping its wings in Brazil it set off a chain reaction that could lead to a cyclone later in Texas a year and a half later, talking about the multiplier effect of one little tiny thing being different. And so when you apply that in history, again, over and over again, we see, take here's this big disaster, you go rolling back to the beginning and you find one little tweak, uh, one little tweak of a guy that was going the wrong direction early on in the process that ended up causing catastrophe in the end. That's interesting. So I don't know. We were just talking about it before you came on the air. Would would COVID fit as a butterfly effect? Yes, I'm afraid so. Uh, now, of course, denied <coughs> by the Chinese. But you go back to the Wuhan lab, and I do not think some people say it was deliberate. I do not think it was deliberate. But the uh, they would go to a bat caves three four hundred miles away. I get the bat viruses, uh, the, the bats bring it back into the lab and start working with it and so on like that, gain of function research, et cetera. And at some point, a mistake was made. We don't know exactly what or how, but the virus escaped into the lab and the first three people 
to get COVID were three people working right there in the lab. That's very convincing evidence right there that it in fact began in the lab and then it escaped from the lab out into the, of course, the Wuhan environment and then from there spread throughout the world. It's caused the death of uh, 10 million people and counting, maybe more than that, they say India is denying a full number that were killed there. So maybe 10, maybe 15 million, we don't know, but it was a tiny mistake in the Wuhan lab uh, that uh, caused it in the first place. I, I wrote an article, and uh, by the way, my, my second book, but my sequel, I tell the story of how two of the biggest developments in medicine over the last hundred some odd years both took place because of a mistake in the laboratory, sloppiness in the laboratory. One very good, the other one very bad. The good one is, uh, of course, back in St. Mary's Hospital back in 1928 uh, with uh, uh, Dr. Fleming. And he was uh, known for keeping kind of a sloppy lab. And he was going on vacation in Scotland for two weeks. So he takes these dirty dishes, petri dishes smeared with bacteria, puts them in the sink, goes off to a vacation for two weeks. When he comes back, and this is one of the most pivotal events in history, he comes back and you have to give him great uh, credit for his uh, observation skills. He notices that a penicillin mold has landed in the middle of one of the Petri dishes and it has killed all the bacteria around it, which was an enormous epiphany. Wait a minute, wait a minute. There are bacteria killing qualities in penicillin mold. And it kept growing and uh, turning, uh, I think it was sporating, anyway, it turned yellow, uh, turned white and puffy, and turned yellow, then turned green, and turned black, and so on like that. And he, uh, that was the discovery, the breakthrough, and then he wrote a paper on it. And it took a number of years before uh, it could be developed and where it could be applied as a medicine. They had to use the big medical companies over in the uh, United States, Merck, and uh, Pfizer and so on to produce the huge quantities. And in 1942, in the early stages of World War II, finally it was available in large, large quantities and has saved tens of millions of lives uh, since then. But that's a mistake that ended up having good results versus a mistake, of course, COVID, to answer your question, that had disastrous results. That's fascinating. What triggered you to go down this road? What, what, what started this for you? Well, that whole thing from Benjamin Franklin was a big uh, part of it. Like, okay, nice old saying, kind of on the nail and shoot. Ah, yeah, but how often does that really happen? And then I thought of one example, okay. Then I thought of another example, another. Ended up with like 10 or 12 examples. Well, this is enough for a magazine article, okay? And I kept thinking and do a lot of reading. I remember things from years ago and doing research. And here's another one, here's another one, here's another one, here's another one. And it turns out you had dozens of examples of tiny mistakes of dominoing and multiplying into big disasters. And I got it turned into a pretty good sized book, about 450 pages. And now we're writing a sequel. That's <laughs> going to be another 300 pages. So the history of the United States <laughs> is rich with goof ups uh, that uh, end up um, blowing up into huge, huge disasters. That's fascinating. A couple of examples. Uh, is it, would you consider Russia's handling of Ukraine to fit this category? Uh, no, and yes. Of course, there are big blunders that lead to big disasters. I guess the tiny mistake there, which is a kind of miscalculation, that they saw the weakness of the Biden administration, I'm going to speak openly here, and they just totally botched the withdrawal from Afghanistan. And they saw him as a weak president. Uh, they never would, I'm going to speak 
country. So it's my opinion. I don't think they ever would have attacked during the Trump administration. Back during the Obama administration, of course, they uh, occupied Georgia and Crimea uh, with little response. During the Trump administration, there was no adventurism on the part of the Russians. And then when Biden came along, here we go again. So I think they perceived weakness, and they said it's going to be very easy. They rolled into Georgia in just two or three days, conquered it, the same thing in Crimea. They thought, well, in a week or so, we're going to have Ukraine under control. And of course, it turned out to be a complete fiasco for them if they had to do it over again. They would not do it. Of course, it's too late for that. And uh, but that, I think it, you, you can consider that a miscalculation, mm. maybe in the category of big mistake versus small mistake. Because I think one thing that kind of has our brain on tilt is watching this war unfold there in Ukraine is how unsophisticated the Russian army is. Yes, it's um, they have a, a good tank, for example. They have some good weapon systems. They have good uh, um, airplanes. But it is woefully, woefully underdeveloped in terms of its logistics. Uh, in the, uh, NATO, uh, for every hundred soldiers uh, in the field, they have six or seven hundred, and by some actually even eight hundred support troops behind them. Well, the Russian army, for every hundred troops they have in the field, they have like about fifty or sixty uh, support troops behind them. So, supply and resupply includes the tools and. Uh, Basement parts and fuel yeah. and medicine, et cetera, like that, is just extremely, extremely weak. They also have a population that is not in support of the war. He uh, has no quote from Eisenhower that in the final analysis, it is public opinion that wins wars. Well, they have very little support, many people, thousands of people leaving Russia because they are opposed to the war. And so those are their biggest weaknesses, and they've just performed miserably out in the field. You have a very determined a population there in Ukraine wanting to take their nation back, and you have very lukewarm, at uh, best, uh, soldiers on the Russian side that don't want to be there in the first place, don't want to yeah, there. Right. So they just, just made a complete mess. Now, this Wagner Group is, uh, uh, which is a, kind of like a big contractor for the Russians, right, right. they have been fairly effective, but even so, uh, if you gave the overall Russian uh, army a, a grade uh, right now, it would be a a D minus, if that high. Yeah. Uh, this whole subject is fascinating. Before I run out of time, you got any other examples of, uh, you know, small mistakes, big disasters? Yes. Yeah, so the very first one I thought of way back when is this one. It, it, uh, the teaser for it is this. Uh, a single piece of tape rotated several inches the wrong direction changed the outcome of the Vietnam War. The United States might very well have won, except for this single tiny mistake, which doesn't make any sense. What do you mean, piece of tape, what are we talking about? It has to do with the Watergate break-in. Uh, the mm. James Ford and the Cuban operatives were told uh, to, when they jimmy the lock from the parking garage into the office building, they were told to hold the striker of the door down with a piece of tape in the vertical position. They made a mistake and they put it in the horizontal position so then it could be seen in the hallway. So Frank Willis, the night watchman, comes by puts this tape on the door, the door has been jimmy, he calls the Washington, D.C. police. I think he had to call them twice for them to come. And by the way, there's a rumor, a strong rumor, that the uh, uniformed officer on duty in that part of the city was intoxicated in a local bar and could not respond to the call. So they had to call, send in the bum patrol, that's three officers dressed as hobos in a jalopy car. They pull up the Watergate complex, the lookout does not recognize them, 
as, uh, as police officers, they come in, they arrest James McCord, and the Cuban operatives, the Watergate begins, boom, 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 one step after the other, the other giant collapse. Um, Henry Kissinger was being interviewed on television back during that period. He said that they, uh, they knew that the North Vietnamese were going to be um, violating the treaty, uh, and the plan was to go in and bomb the living daylights out of them again to get them back in compliance. They were so weak politically they could not. South Vietnam collapses, Nixon administration collapses, it all falls apart uh, because of uh, a piece of tape uh, turned, rotated several inches the wrong direction and a drunk cop. Hey, that is fascinating. You know, I, I tongue-in-cheek in promoting you coming on this morning earlier in the, in the news pro- portion of our program, uh, we were talking about your title because it's very catchy, tiny, tiny blunders, big disasters. I'm wondering if you could put the Bud Light issue into that category. Yes, well, yeah, now they have not called me to ask you my opinion. I was got my master's degree years and years ago in uh, advertising marketing. But put the moral issue to the side. Uh, it was one of the biggest marketing blunders. Never mind the moral issue. The biggest marketing blunder. <laughs> made in the last, I don't know, 30 or 40 years. Yeah. Uh, it, it offended uh, so many people. Beer drinking guys watch football, you know, sit around telling dirty jokes or whatever they do, and they are not uh, of the same ilk of, of what was presented as that, that picture. That image was a complete uh, offensive uh, offensive, and, and very in violation of the mores of their, their audience. Another, of course, mistake was the Navy having a transgender right. individual there as well. That also has offended a lot of people. It was also a major mistake. Again, I'm not talking about the moral issue. We're just talking about how successful it was in accomplishing their purpose towards reaching the audience that it was meant couldn't, couldn't, couldn't you add the L.A. Dodgers to that? Yes. And I think also they say that the um, Cracker Barrel Ball people had uh, rocket chairs painted with the rainbow colors. They may be in that category too. And it's been a disaster for all, all four of those uh, examples. I, it just You have to know the basics. You have to know your audience, what your audience will respond to. Uh, and the worst thing you can do, of course, is to offend your audience. And of course, uh, Bud Light is just taking a whipping. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, let me encourage you to grab a, a copy of uh, Jared's book. I think you'll find it to be fascinating. There's a lot of history here. It's called uh, Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters. And uh, there's a picture of the cover of the book. Uh, and, of course, the website is tinyblundersbigdisasters.com. Uh, is the book available online as well, Jared? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you can order it online through Amazon uh, just by clicking on there. And it's uh, uh, it has a two and a half free chapters there at the website and a book trailer. And also my favorite part of the book, a uh, portrait gallery of 27 personalities with a little bit of dirt on each one. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. A little light reading this afternoon. <laughs> it should be fun for you. Okay. Thanks, Jared, for your time. Let's stay connected. Have a great day, friend. God bless you. Appreciate it very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this week's Focus Today podcast. Remember, you can visit our website to check out all the interviews we did this week on our daily Focus Today TV show at thedove.us. And if you like this podcast, please take a moment to rate us and share it with your friends.